This is Entrepreneur's Podcast. That's entre, like Spanish for between. Pre? Like our prepubescent sense of humor. And nerds, like us, the guys around the microphone. My name is Kareem. And I'm Daniel. And this is a kickoff to Creative Entrepreneur Week. Seven days. Yes, it's a whole week. Well, I mean, it's three episodes. Over seven days? Well, there's three days, three episodes, but it'll take place over a timeline of seven days, maybe like a Monday to a Friday, so it's really five days. It's complicated, but it's really good. <laughs> it's and awesome. we're really excited. Yes. It's all about talking about how we can flex our creative muscle and put some money behind our art and creativity. Speaking of putting money behind art and creativity, why don't you please check out patreon.com slash entrepreneurs? podcast that's right patreon.com <laughs> slash entrepreneurs podcast support us and we'll talk about how you can support other creative entrepreneurs this whole week in fact we've got three awesome guests for you the first one which we'll talk to today is justin johnston justin is the executive director of wild goose creative and this is a really cool resource a nonprofit in town that provides space and access and resources to artists of all ages all um disciplines to be able to come together and sort of create together. It's really cool stuff. The second one is with Elaine Grogan Luttrell, and Elaine is the department head at CCAD of the business department. And in addition, she also wrote the book Arts and Numbers, which helps translate the language of numbers to the language of the arts. And, and the, the third, third one, one is Danielle is Danielle Evans. I thought Kareem was going to say, we're not going to tell you, and he's going to hold it hostage for the Patreon people. No, I want you to know because, listeners, we love you. It's true. We also love Danielle. Danielle Evans is the proprietor and founder of MarmaladeBlue.com, and she is a food typographer. She invented this uh, innovative design thing that sort of meshes together um, food and uh, design and lettering, typography, really cool stuff. Check her out. But we're going to start this whole week off right now with Justin Johnston from Wild Goose Creative. Hey, everyone. It's Daniel, the retailer here at Wild Goose Creative. So quick question. What would you do uh, if you had already traveled the world and played with some of the best orchestras in the most beautiful cities on earth? Well, how about become the executive director of a small nonprofit art space in Columbus, Ohio? Well, that's exactly what Justin Johnston did in 2015 when he joined Wild Goose Creative. Before Wild Goose, Justin actually worked as a classically trained clarinetist performing with the Chicago Symphony, the Cleveland Orchestra, the Toronto Symphony, and toured the world as a fellow of something with lots of words in it that I don't know how to pronounce. Schleswig-Holstein. Schleswig-Holstein. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's very prestigious uh, from what I learned. He also earned the very first DMA in arts enterprise from The Ohio State University. Well, welcome to the show, Justin. Thanks a lot. So before we get started, really quickly, just how can people find out about uh, Wild Goose and the great work you do here? You can find out about Wild Goose, first of all, from wildgoosecreative.org. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, and if you read, uh, especially Columbus Alive, we get quite a bit of coverage about our events in Columbus Alive as well. That's great. Thank you so much. So we discussed your background a little bit. First of all, like I know... Um, those symphonies are very good. I mean, Cleveland Orchestra is one of the best in the world. Yeah, uh, and the best. Uh, 
the best. The best. The best. For sure. I think so. I yeah. Think so. Uh, actually, one of my uh, friends, Mark Williams, is now up there as like an arts, um, I think he's the arts management director oh, wow. for the Cleveland Orchestra. And he, he, uh, he's one of the most amazing people I've ever met in terms of musically and then going into the music business side, mm -hmm. IMG business side. And then he ended up at Cleveland Orchestra, which is an amazing place and an incredible uh, experience if you guys get to go. It's only a few hours north of here, so check it out. Uh, but when you talk about a musical career and you list those names and you talk about the Aspen Music Festival, which you've been a part of, why stop doing that? <laughs> Good question. Um, I just really like arts management and there are a lot of reasons for it. Uh, partly, uh, I was living in Chicago in 2009, 2010, and I was living with my girlfriend, who's now my wife, and we were trying to figure out what to do next with our lives. And we both just really wanted to get our doctoral degrees. And so I was like, we just decided to come back to Ohio State. And I was just really excited about getting some more arts management experience. And it's also just really hard because when you're a family of two musicians, it's really hard to find one city where you can both work. And so having um, some arts management cred just made me a more portable uh, employee. So it made it easier for me to find a job wherever I went. Right. So tell me about the arts enterprise program at Ohio State. So you were the inaugural graduate of the program? Yeah. Uh, I, I invented it essentially. Oh, okay. So um, I came to Ohio State um, on a music scholarship, but I came, I was specifically interested in the school because there were so many resources with the Fisher College of Business and also the Arts Administration program. And so I decided to sort of make my own degree that yes, incorporated a lot of music, but also did some MBA classes at Fisher and also the graduate classes in Arts Administration and just kind of made my own degree. And the administration was like, that sounds great. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I remember I had this meeting and I said like, okay, here are the classes I'm gonna take. And they're like, are you sure you're allowed to do this? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely sure. And they're like, we had no idea. They're like, that sounds amazing. <laughs> That's great. Well, I think when you know what you want, you're able to research it to figure out what is actually possible. Yeah. That's very cool. And obviously mm -hmm. you paved the way for a lot of other people that might wanna do the same kind of thing. Yeah. So it's, um, the music school paid a lot of attention to it, and now they've incorporated that into their curriculum. That's great. And uh, apparently I say that's great a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it is great. Um, so here you are, you've got this doctorate in arts enterprise. We're talking about mm -hmm. creative entrepreneurs. Wild Goose actually has business of arts classes in them. Yep. Uh, and so this sounds like a great place to start our conversation about. So when we talk about, um, creative entrepreneurs, what does that phrase mean to you? Can you really define that for what it means to you and uh, what does it look like? Sure. In a lot of ways, all entrepreneurs are creative people um, because in many you're, you're trailblazing, you're disrupting the market, you're inventing something new out of nothing. When we talk about creative entrepreneurs, or at least when I talk about creative entrepreneurs, I'm thinking about people who are building a business in a in an arts slash creative industry. So, and that could be any number of things. Um, people who come through Wild Goose have done things like you know they're they want to build um, an event, right? They want to build an event that they're going to take all around town and they get it started at Wild Goose. Or 
there is this one sort of mad genius uh, woman who started like a, a hand-painted greeting card um, business. And she just shows up one day and she's very shy and we're going around talking about, you know, what kind of business are you starting? And, and she says, well, I'm going to do this thing with, with greeting cards and I don't know if it's any good. And then she pulls out this stack of the most beautiful hand-painted cards that you've ever seen. And I bought them like on the spot. I was like, I, I, I don't know if you have any left, but I just want all of those. You're like, you just became a business because I want those. Yeah. Um, so it's anybody with creative entrepreneurs, any, any artist um, who wants to take what they do and turn it into a business. That's uh, really good to hear. I think having a supportive space like this, I don't know if every, you know, I don't think there, every city has a resource like Wild Goose. Um, when you talk to people about Wild Goose, where did it come from? I mean, how long has it been around? And mm -hmm. Wild Goose, is, we're celebrating our 10-year anniversary this year. Congratulations. And actually, it was invented by creative entrepreneurs. It was these six, like, know-nothing college graduates. And I, I'm joking about that. They were brilliant people. But they, they just decided they wanted to have this cool place where artists could come together and try out new things and experiment. And it could be a space for anybody. And it, there were six of them. They dreamed it up uh, in the middle of a Super Bowl party. And then they graduated from school. Two of them moved to Columbus, right down the street from Wild Goose. They kind of looked around. They said, hey, this place is pretty sweet. You all should come down here. And then the other four were like, yeah, OK, we'll just do that. So they all moved to Columbus, and they invented Wild Goose. It, um, after about a year, they opened up this space. And um, we've been busy ever since. That's great to think about um, how you something just sort of gets rolling, right? Mm -hmm. You just have enough people that uh, believe in it and have uh, not a lot to lose. I think that's a really, sure. that's yeah. a really important part of it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that the path for younger and older creatives is very different, um, especially when you think about people that may have come into their inspiration different later in life or they put something on hold that they loved to do mm -hmm. when they were younger, and all of a sudden now they're like, well, I'm retired and I have all this energy, this creative energy I want to put forward to something. Mm -hmm. That's the second phase of my life. Wild Goose seems like it's a place that you, you could provide that opportunity for them. I mean, what are some of the challenges you've seen in those two demographics with like the younger uh, creatives that sort of have a lot of energy and jump out into the world like, I'm ready to go and I'm going to make a million dollars, help me, versus the older generations like, well, I'd like to try this out, but I don't really know what that looks like. Yeah, good question. Um, the important part there is, is that at Wild Goose, we focus on supporting emerging artists, which is separate from just saying we support young artists, right? We support... Anybody who is just entering the professional phase of their artistic career, and that could be someone who just graduated from college and is looking for the next step, or it could be a dad, middle-aged dad who has discovered his love of photography and, like you said, all of a sudden has a little bit more time and um, a little bit more money, and he's ready to take it seriously. The thing that I see... It is the main difference is that with older entrepreneurs, they don't see themselves as, as legitimate. When you're 22 and you're sort of still in that super idealistic phase of your life and you just say, I have this brilliant idea and I'm going to make a million dollars from it. And there's just nothing in your way. And then they have all the confidence in the world. On the other hand, the older entrepreneurs have a mortgage and kids and they 
I, they often come to me and they say, like, I, I don't think of myself as an artist. That's the thing I hear a lot. I don't think of myself as, a, as an artist. And I say, your art is on a gallery wall and you, you, someone paid you money for it. Like, you're an artist. I don't know what else it takes. Right. Um, and so a lot of times it's, it's, the, um, it's the confidence or something that they, that they need in the sense that, that of encouragement, that, that, that they can do this and that their idea is just as good as anybody else's. Yeah, a lot of it comes down to how you can self-identify mm. and how people see you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for younger artists, they may very quickly self-identify as an artist or their whole lives, somebody's told them you're creative, you can do this. Mm-hmm. And for an, uh, somebody who comes into it later in life, they have an entire identity that is different. They have an identity as dad or an identity as grandma mm-hmm. or an identity as a banker mm-hmm. uh, and uh, for them to say to their friends I'm an artist now come to this gallery opening mm-hmm. sounds weird to say out loud I see it over and over again and I just have to keep telling them you know your art is amazing like you don't need to be shy about this or embarrassed like you can be an office man and a family man and still be a brilliant artist, you know, and, and, and you are, right? And, and you should embrace that. That is a wonderful service. I think that you probably have lots of conversations where you're pumping people up. <laughs> Every day. I have a lot of people who come in and say, well, I don't really think of myself as an artist, da-da-da-da-da. Or my art's next to that person's art, and I look <clears throat> stupid. Right, right. Um, it's a tough industry, Yeah, you know? I think the event that I came to, Wild Art Columbus, was yeah. really cool. Really cool. Uh, tell people the premise of Wild Art Columbus. Sure. So uh, for a month, we pay artists to take over Instagram. Um, so it's 30 artists over 30 days. And our Instagram followers then choose their favorite pieces from each day. At the end of the month, we take our followers' favorite 30 pieces, hang them on the wall for a weekend, and then we have a big auction and party. It's a live auction where people bid on the works. And what was really neat about that uh, evening was that they were so diverse in terms of the mediums used yep. and in terms of the, you know, there were things that were on the wall that were $50 mm-hmm. and things that were on the wall for $800 opening bids, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, to watch the crowd sort of react to specific pieces was very cool. Yeah. And you would see two or three people that were like really into one piece like uh, and kept bidding for that specific piece. Yep. And I, you almost wanted to find an opportunity to say to the artist, like, oh, we'll take both bids. If you both are into it, mm-hmm. she'll create something creative and custom for you now for that same price. Like, you both win. Dude, <laughs> why didn't you tell me this before? <laughs> Actually, we did something very similar to that. There's, um, we do wild art once or twice a year. You were just here in April. Um, the previous wild art, which would have been about six months ago, we had a blacksmith here, um, Adley Steve. Adley, I can't remember his last name at the moment. I thought you were going to say Adley Stevenson, who's like that failed VP. No, that's about what I was going to say. But um, Adley, oh my gosh, he's the the resident blacksmith at the uh, Columbus Idea Foundry. Oh, great. And he's such a cool guy. He kind of looks like Hagrid from Harry Potter. (laughs) He he looks exactly like a blacksmith, you know? And he was one of those guys who's sort of like, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years. I've never really thought of myself as an artist until I did this event. He made these amazing uh, set of steel die, dice die. Mm-hmm. And he gave us, he just came in to drop off his work when we're 
um, putting up the show, and he gave us two sets. He goes, I don't know if you want two sets or not. I said, well, we'll take them. And we said, what's the starting bid? He goes, he goes I don't know if anybody's going to want these 10 bucks. So what we did was we put one set up for display, and then we had this hyper-competitive bidding that ended up being... Uh, the final bid was like $90 for something that started at $10 for a set of dyes. Yeah. Which were, and they were sweet though, like stainless steel, like hand forged dye. And you get two of them. And I just got the chills kind of because I've never played like the, um, uh, role playing games, mm -hmm. but it sounds like that's exactly something they would oh, want yeah. so bad. And I have a, a couple podcaster friends that that's their whole podcast is playing those. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, role-playing games so like those die would be the most amazing yeah, they were the most yeah amazing. yeah and so they were so and people were really um bidding competitively over them and there's only one set out on display so we have it going back and forth and it ends at 90 dollars. and we said um you know to the second place bidder if you're willing to match that we do have a second set and everybody in the crowd went oh my god <laughs> you know so it was really exciting yeah, I mean, think about how cool that would be for uh, an artist to be able to not only get the work that they brought purchased, but also have a commission mm -hmm. created from that event too. And to watch people fighting over your work from a guy who, you know, two days before said, "I don't really think of myself as an artist or an entrepreneur," and then there's people who are basically banging down the doors to to give him money. Right, in a gallery. Yeah, in yeah. an art gallery. That's. A uh, really cool. I think that um, I need to meet Hagrid. Uh, he's so cool. And you can take, um, he'll, I took a blacksmith class from him. Really? Yeah. And it's really, it's, it's sweet. It's like kind of dangerous and mm -hmm. violent. And it's like, it's sort of like watching an episode of Law and Order. You know, it's that same part of your brain gets, you know what I mean? Yes. That's, uh, I think that there are those there's such an important place uh, f that we need to make in our lives for those new creative outlets, mm -hmm. uh, things that we've never done before. Mm -hmm. uh, e sometimes even if it's just, I haven't ridden a bike in 10 years and getting on a bike and seeing what that feels like again. Cause I, like watching people do that or the going to uh, a blacksmith class yeah. or, you know, going to a cooking class, you can really open up your eyes. If you want to try something new, why not start a podcast? Go to Blueberry.com and you can get the first month of hosting for free when you use Entrepreneur's Podcast as your promo code. We've started a podcast. We love it. It's fun. You get to talk to really interesting people and you get to talk about the things that you care about. Isn't that right, Dan? That's right. And in fact, right now, uh, instead of saying Entrepreneur's Podcast as your uh, promo code, just use Entrepreneur's. We've cut it in half just in this it's half off. <laughs> half off the promo code. Just like Blueberry is also half off. Well, it's... Missing two letters, and those are the E's. Blueberry.com, no E's. Check it out. All right, so you're a nonprofit at Wild Goose. How do you stay in business? Good question. Uh, so we do a couple things. One is we produce over 300 arts events every year, <clears throat> which is basically every single night. Um, we've got something going on at Wild Goose. We do that in a couple of ways. One is we will produce a few events a month on our own, and we make money by selling tickets to those events. The other way is um, we will rent the space to people, and if you're an artist or someone producing an arts event, we will rent it to you for super cheap, um, which is the whole reason we're a nonprofit, is we're essentially 
um, selling or renting the space well below market rate so that you can get your idea started. Um, but in having these micro rentals, um, but doing it many, 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 many times a year, uh, we actually have a very steady and comfortable stream of income from that. Plus we're an art gallery, so we sell art and make commission on that. Um, and on the rental side, that's the thing I like the best, and that's the part that's the most exciting to me because anybody with any idea can try it out at Wild Goose as long as it's legal and not too dangerous. Uh, you can do it here, and we've had some really wild stuff happen here um, that has also been very successful and could not have happened anywhere else. You know, I remember listening to an interview I think you did with All Sides with Ann Fisher. Yeah, uh, and you had said, Christopher you, Purdy was on there. That, yes, yeah. yes. Um, uh, I love Christopher Purdy. I could listen to him talk all day. He's a hoot. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and such a uh, like random uh, base of knowledge in his head. Like yes, the things that he holds inside of his head, uh, especially when it comes to uh, theater and opera and mm -hmm. all of that. Um, but you explained it as a say yes policy. Absolutely. Right. And I think that uh, for an artist. Uh, I think they're used to hearing no a lot. Sure. So being a place, uh, when I say safe space, I don't mean like you can come in here if there's a zombie apocalypse. Um, but no, I, you would not <laughs> want to, we have these huge glass windows. The yeah. zombies would be through there in a minute. They'd be through in a minute. But I mean, it's a safe space to say, I want to do something. Yeah. And for you as the wild goose to say, yeah, let's figure that out. Yes. Um, let me give you some examples. One would be uh, Moby Dick Month, which happened in 2015. Um, a woman named Lori Gum, who is a huge activist, especially in the LGBTQ community around here and is one of the main organizers for the Pride Fest, um, is also a huge lover of literature, brilliant woman, brilliant, brilliant woman, and had this idea that she wanted to do a live 25-hour reading of Moby Dick. And she pitched it to other organizations around town. I won't say who, but they all said, that is the stupidest thing we've ever heard. They said, nobody cares about Moby Dick, and nobody's going to come to your dumb marathon. <laughs> and they said, you are going to be all alone in that room reading Moby Dick by yourself in the middle of the night. Good luck. And she came to us, and we were like, that is amazing. <laughs> They're like, of course we'll do it. So we did, um, we did Moby Dick Month. We had a whole month where... We had Wait, it was like from that idea you birthed a month? Yes. So she was like, I want to do it for 24 hours. You're like, screw that, yeah. 30 days. We are doing the whole thing. So um, we had an art gallery up for the month that was all art of Moby Dick, or local artists making stuff inspired by Moby Dick. And we had a panel of, in the middle of the month, of like the greatest minds from across the country talking about Moby Dick. And then we did the 25-hour reading at the end of the month, and it was packed. Um, we had great press coverage, we had people coming in all throughout those 25 hours. The room was never empty. And uh, it was it was great, it was amazing. And we actually, we were nominated for the Art Makes Columbus Award for this thing that everybody else in town said, like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And was she the only one reading for all 25 hours? No, no, hours? no, anybody oh. <laughs> could sign up to read oh, okay. and you'd sign up and then you just get in line and every chapter break someone new would come up okay and read. i was thinking to myself that's some like david blaine kind of magic oh crazy <laughs> who can talk for 25 hours yeah um uh, so we we did that um we did uh an event called wake and shake that ran 
uh, monthly where um, someone, uh, Dana Bernstein, came to us and said that she wanted more dancing at Wild Goose. And so she wanted to have a 6 a.m. breakfast rave. And we were like, great. We don't even know what that means, but we're going to do it. So her whole <laughs> Nobody idea. Nobody else is using this place at 6 a.m. Yeah, we're available. So um, she had this idea that she really, she was a grown-up now, and she had a 9-to-5 job, and but she missed going out and dancing. And um, she didn't miss, like, the hookup scene part of it. She just missed, like, the great energy of, of dancing. And so she said, I want to have a 6 a.m. dance party once a month and we'll have coffee and we'll have donuts and we'll have a different DJ every month and you can wear your neon and face paint and, you know, just go nuts for a couple hours before you go to work. And it the best thing of all happened, which was we did it once and that first time the cops showed up, uh, which was great because all of a sudden we're getting all everybody on the block is like, what is going on in there? Why are the cops at Wild Goose? <laughs> and the cops come in and they say, like, you can't be doing this. You know, you guys are having a rave. There's got to be drugs in there. We're going to shut this down. We're like, you know, come on in. We're just having a dance party. The best thing that could happen when the cops show up at your rave is to have coffee and donuts. Yes. <laughs> so he said, like, there's really nothing. There's no funny business. Um you know, take a look. And it was just like all these people just having a great time, all ages, just coming together to dance and start off their Friday. And um, it was a great event. It was like the best 6 a.m. party in town. And then it ran monthly for a while. And it ran monthly for a long time. We had, um, we got a shark costume eventually. And and so we had the Waken Shark who would come out and give people (laughs) presents and hugs. Like it just blew people's minds. Oh my gosh, that is such an incredible story. Yeah, I, I, it's people talk about that the same way they do nights at Studio Fifty Four, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, are there a couple lo- local creative entrepreneurs that you admire? Sure, uh, there are a ton. Um, we only have time for two. Okay, two. <laughs> the first two that come to mind. One is Creative Control Fest. Okay. Um, Really sweet festival. Um, We're actually working with them to produce uh, the next gallery show here at Wild Goose, uh, which is called 50 Pieces of Black Gold. Um, It's two featured artists, each doing 25 works each, so 50 pieces, um, celebrating um, black art in Columbus. That's awesome. Uh, And I am crazy excited to put that on the walls. It's going to hang... Uh, it arrives next weekend. So I haven't even seen the work yet, which is always the most exciting It part. is super rare for any artist to have 25 pieces of their work on yeah. any wall ever. Yeah. Um, so when they told me, I knew the name of the show is 50 Pieces of Black Gold, and I just thought, oh, that's a cool title. So I was talking to the curator yesterday, and I said, so how many pieces are in the show? And he said, like, he kind of looked at me like I was dumb. Like, I wasn't <laughs> picking it because there's 50. And I was like, oh, this makes so much sense now. So, um that's curated by Creative Control Fest. Um, I love those guys. Marshall Shorts, shout out to him. Uh, if you see those t-shirts around town that say creatives hustle harder, those come from Creative Control Fest. Oh, great. And the other one I'll give a shout out to would be uh, Creative Babes, um, a local uh, organization that supports women in the arts or creative women in Columbus. I desperately want to be a creative babe. I ask them all the time. I'm not allowed in the club. Nope, not allowed. Totally understand, but I'm totally jealous of like everything that they do. I, I, they're brilliant. Yeah, that's excellent. 
I love hearing about that. So check out Creative Babes as well as Creative Control Fest. So uh, in a little bit, I'm going to be interviewing Elaine Luttrell yeah. from CCAD, who sort of is their, the head of their creative entrepreneur studies uh, at the Columbus College of Art and Design. Mm -hmm. So if you had to ask her a question, what would you ask her? First, I want to ask her when we're going to get together. You know, we always, <laughs> it's always business with me and Elaine. We always end up at the same meetings, but we got to go out. Elaine, we got to go out. I'll let her know. Yeah, let her know. <laughs> and <laughs> Elaine will get back to us. Yeah, um, you know, I have to say the thing that I, I really admire about Elaine, and maybe this isn't even a question, is like she um, she knows how to like build a brand. Um, she's like this like self-made like giant of Columbus. I really admire that. I wish she could tell me how she does it. That is awesome. I think that... Uh, Anytime you connect with people and you find somebody that is really powerful in that way that can mm -hmm. sort of get stuff rolling, it's important to connect. I think that was a lesson for me. You know, I remember when I first started at Wild Goose, it was the first time I had the title of executive director, and I was really shy about saying that out loud. Um, people would say, like, what do you do? Or you do that thing where you're at a meeting with a bunch of people you never met, and you go around and you say what you are. And so I would say, like, oh, I, I work at Wild Goose. <laughs> right. And, you know, it, but then like Elaine stood up and she was like, this is who I am. And I am the, you know, I, I'm the owner of this company and this is what I do. And da, 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 da. And I was like, oh, wow, that's, I need to learn how to do that. Yeah. Well, uh, one of the, my, the only quotes that I ever took from uh, one of Donald Trump's books mm. was, if you don't toot your own horn, who the hell will? <laughs> Man, he's got tons of quotes, doesn't he? Well, but, yeah, he's he's got a point. That's the only one I that's the only one I read. But I think that it's really important for uh, entrepreneurs, no yeah. matter what your business you're in, if you're not talking about your business, you're not talking about what you're doing, who you are. Nobody mm -hmm. else is either. Yeah, talking about your business is working your business. Right. Yeah. You are the largest mouthpiece and the largest piece of advertising you have, and you come free every time you open your mouth. It didn't cost you anything. So right. Do it. All right, so what's the next five years look like for Wild Goose? Wow. Uh, it's hard to say, because to put that in perspective, five years from now, we'll have produced another 1,500 arts events. Yeah. So um, it's sort of like someone the other day asked me about great things that have happened over the last year, and I said, like, let me just tell you about the great things we've done this month. You know? <laughs> um, but the next five years, uh, we have a lot planned. Um, I can tell you that very soon we're going to launch a Women in the Arts mentorship program. Um, I can tell you that we're going to do even more literary marathons and even more literary programming. Actually, the bookshelf immediately to our left, uh, we are going to turn into something called the Flyover Library, which is going to be a 10-shelf public library that we're producing entirely on our own. And it's going to feature all books by Midwestern authors and, and or books about the Midwest because uh, the Midwest doesn't get nearly enough cred for being like a cool place to be and right. in a cultural hotbed. We talk about New York, LA, coastal cities, um, but um, we're all about repping Columbus and repping the Midwest and showing just how much awesome stuff is going on here. Um, so Flyover Library, check that out. In addition, um, we're growing. Um, we want to find more and more ways to take our brand and take our spirit of creativity and get it outside of our walls. 
Um, so that could be in the form of public art, that could be in the form of producing events outside the gallery. Um, but more importantly, uh, we're gonna stay true to our mission, which is to provide access and resources for anyone in the creative community here in Columbus. So if you wanna be a part of the art, either as an artist on stage or on the walls, and or you want to just um, be an audience member, an observer, and you don't know where to start, Wild Goose is the place to go. Um, we bring in 12,000 people a year. In five years, I wanna bring in 100,000 people a year. With those kind of goals, I think that you know Columbus has last year was named the number one uh, startup city in America. Yeah, <clears throat> I think you could find a way in the next five years to set that goal of Columbus being known as one of the number one creative entrepreneur spaces cities mm -hmm. in the country. It is. I think it is. Um, we didn't make it into the magazines yet for it, but I think we will. Um, creative. I think that Nashville and Austin, people hear a lot about right. them. Yeah. And I hate Nashville um, because hate, oh. there are so many parts of Nashville that are really cool. Yeah. But the, the touristy parts are so awful. Yeah. <laughs> that, I get it, that it stained my love for that city. Mm -hmm. And I find Columbus to have more people in general and more creative opportunities and pockets around the city that where yeah. things are happening. Austin's a very cool city, but uh, it's very hot there in the summer. <laughs> so I think Columbus, ultimately, when you think about uh, cities that are up and coming, that have a ton of potential, and I think that your point is that we already are a, a great place to come yeah. to bring your creative energy to start your business. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, Wild Goose has been successful for any number of reasons, but especially because we're in Columbus. And in five years, I want Wild Goose to be the spirit of the city, um, this creative energy um, that exists in the city for some miraculous reason, and, and Wild Goose is, is lucky to be a part of it, yeah. That's excellent. I am so glad I got a chance to sit down with you, Justin. Again, uh, this was Justin Johnston at Wild Goose Creative, the executive director of That's Wild right. Goose Creative. <laughs> and uh, this has been Daniel, the retailer. Thanks so much for listening. And that was the first episode. One of three of creative entrepreneurs. <sighs> that sounded like Frasier. Like this music is more like Frasier. Like I run a radio show and I live in Seattle. So if you like tossed salad and scrambled eggs, why don't you check us out on Instagram? Facebook. Twitter. <laughs> There's so many dramatic pauses in your exits to these. Anyway, everybody, Creative Entrepreneur Week is kicking off. Thank you, Justin, and thank you, Kareem, and as always, thank you, Adam, our producer. We are going to have another episode for you in a couple days, so watch out for that. Elaine Grogan Luttrell's up next. <laughs>